Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. We have a huge show today. You guys can get in touch with us. I love the interaction. Facebook, Twitter, it's hashtag SGN. Sports Garden. Sports G-A-R-T-E-N. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get you in touch with the show as well. iTunes, iHeartRadio, SportsGarden.com, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. We are everywhere, and you want to be a part of the show, absolutely. Guys, we have a big show today. We're going to have Ryan Yee, our Sports Garden's own big-time hockey guru. Ryan's going to talk those opening lines in the NHL. I know we still don't have a start date. doesn't matter. You could already start betting on it. We'll talk about that. We also have Chris Shearer, news editor and sports columnist for the Citizen Newspaper. He's going to talk a little bit about the Dolphins. I want to get into uh, a, a lot about... The young guys, real quick here. The the young players, because I, I've heard people, especially a couple of years ago, with Breeze and Brady and Roethlisberger, who's going away, and Rivers and Manning, and who's going away? How about who's coming in? Lawrence and Allen and Lamar and Herbert and Mahomes, of course, and now you have Tua, and I think you have to throw Tua into that group. I'm massively high on him. I think he's got that winning X factor, even if he's not going to have the big-time numbers. So I'm going to get into that with Chris a little bit here. So without further ado, let's welcome on the show, Chris Shearer. How are you doing today, Chris? Tom, I'm doing great. Great to be with you tonight. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's not bury the lead here, Chris, right? I'm a big fan of Tua. I was not a huge fan in college, but... Yeah, it was um, it was more of, of looking at other guys. I think he's got the intangible thing, though. And I see how he was pitted against Justin Herbert last week, and I said, I don't think Tua cares. I really don't. I don't think that he cares that he only threw for 160-something yards. He'll, I don't think he'll ever care. He's almost a game manager in, in a good sense of the word, not a bad sense. I see that intangible thing with Tua, and I think that he's going to get better and better. He's one of these players that I've seen enough. In three years, I've seen enough, uh, three games just to say, I've seen enough to say, I don't have to go out there and draft someone this year with that Texans pick. I have seen enough to say Tua is the man. Have you? I, I So far, that's what the signs are pointing to. Uh, I mean, like I said, like you say, he's only had three games. Um, I'm not ready to annoy him a Hall of Fame or anything like that or the second coming of Dan Marino, but I'm, I really am encouraged. And that second game against Arizona, to me, that was the game where he showed the potential that he has to be a franchise quarterback, leading the team on that 93-yard drive in the fourth quarter that tied it up, and then the, the, late, the field goal late on where they won the game. So that was enough for me to say, okay, this guy definitely has something. Uh, you know, last week against the Chargers, he didn't have to do as much. The defense against stepped up like they did against the Rams a couple of weeks before that. So I'm really encouraged as a Dolphins fan to, to see what two has been doing so far. And he does have a bright future, no doubt about that. Well, let's talk about last week because he did lose Preston Williams for that game, which I think is a pretty big loss. And Devontae Parker, I'm not sure what to make of this guy right now. Look, Devontae Parker has all the elements of being a number one guy. Um, he was drafted as a number one guy, had a little bit of difficulty in the early years, and, you know, 
It's a, that's okay. That's fine. He looked like he was going to take the next step up. And I haven't seen that. And now I see Tua being the kind of guy that says, well, you know what? Almost Brady-esque. I don't need this one guy. I'm going to dink and dunk it around. But I'm starting to look at the Dolphins and I'm saying, are they a big playmaker away? I, I think they're going to have a very good year this year. I think they're going to make the playoffs. But I, I don't think even the best Dolphins fan think they're winning a Super Bowl. Are they that big player away? And Devontae Parker doesn't seem to be that. Am I in the same vein there? I disagree with a little bit about Parker. I, I think what happens is is that because the Dolphins are so so sparse at wide receiver right now with all the injuries and everything, that teams you know they really put two guys on them sometimes. They double team them and they try to take them away. Um, and I think that's one reason why his numbers are down from last year. Because last year, as you remember, he came on. I mean, everybody was waiting for this for the last few years, and all of a sudden in 2019, he came he came along and had an All Pro type season. This year, obviously, the numbers aren't there. I just think that teams are trying to take them away. And I think that's why you saw Mike Gesicki, the tight end, have some pretty good numbers at the beginning of the season with with Fitzpatrick. And uh, I think the Dolphins, I think they're trying not to push. You know, they don't want to push things too much. Uh, I think they're they're happy with, uh, you know, taking what the defense gives them underneath and uh, avoiding terms. I think that's the reason why Tua has not thrown an interception through his first three starts so far. Well, I'm going to say the most unjournalistic question ever here, uh, but it needs to be asked in this fashion. What is up with Mike Gesicki right now? I mean, just just what is up with him? I want to love him. I, I want to be on top of him in fantasy and go, oh, I got him first and I want to grab him. And uh, Instead, it's Adam Shaheen. It's other guys going there. Is it because he's Durham getting double-teamed? Yeah. yeah, is it because he's getting double-teamed? I mean, what is up with Gesicki? How am I supposed to feel about him? I Well, from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, you're not feeling too good right now because, like I said, he has not had a he has not had a great game uh, in the last month or so. But you know, I think he's due for a big game pretty soon. Uh, again, I think another guy you got to think about is Jakeem Grant. I mean, you look at the way he's been coming out lately. He had a pretty good game last week, and yes, he had something from the return game. Uh, obviously, we saw that long kickoff return for a touchdown a couple weeks ago, and the long punt return too. But Jakeem Grant is getting more involved in that offense, too. If you remember, uh, Tua went to him um, late, in the, late in the game there to clinch the to clinch it and everything. So, like I said, I like Jakeem Grant. I think he's the guy to keep an eye open for is that he's really coming along the last few games, especially since Tua became the starter. And then let's talk a little bit about the running back situation, which is sort of a mess, but it's a good mess, I think. Um, I'm a Washington guy. I like to, to watch the Washington football mm-hmm. team and, and Gaskins. Uh, look, I thought he had some talent. I never thought he'd be this. And now we look at Ahmed, uh, and they let go of Howard because they got Laird there. And it's kind of just stringing it together. But again, I go back to my original question. Do they need that big guy? Do they need a Travis Ntn? Do they need that? Is that the position that will put them over the top? Or do you think that they can be fine with sort of stringing it together here? No, I think you need a great running back. And, and you said Miles Gaskins had a good year. Uh, Matt Breida really hasn't done much of anything. Of course, he's been hurt. He's supposed to be back this week. Uh, Salvano Med, like you said, it was a surprise. Uh, they let Howard go over, over the past few days. Uh, the Dolphins need a great running back. I, I really think that if you are going to be a Super Bowl contender, you need a top-notch running game to take pressure off your quarterback. As great as Tua can be and as much of a franchise quarterback he can be, 
you need a great running game. I mean, you look what's going on with Ryan Tannehill, the former Dolphins quarterback, what's going on with him in Tennessee. Is he a better quarterback in Tennessee because as Derrick Henry is a running back in the backfield? I think that's not a coincidence. So I think the Dolphins are going to focus on a top-notch running back in the draft next season. I completely agree. And I, I mentioned Travis Entian, just throwing him out there. Uh, it, I'm sure we're going to have draft analysts tell me that uh, he's probably the second or third best guy. He's just the guy that came to mind. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the defense. By the way, we're on the phone with Chris Shira, news editor and sports columnist for the Citizen Newspaper, talking a little Dolphins here. Let's talk about the defense. I have said for a couple of years now, that Howard is massively massively underrated. Jones and Howard, I think they're the best cornerback duo in the league. Why is no one, I mean literally the national media just, they don't even know their names. Why is nobody paying attention to how good this duo can be? Oh, I think they're starting to pay attention to them. I think as the Dolphins continue to rise as a team, I think there's going to be more attention on these guys. And and like you said, they've been arguably the best cornerback um, tandem in in the NFL. No doubt about it. These guys have been locked down. They got off to a little bit of a rough start, obviously, when they played New England and Buffalo. But I, I was telling people on Twitter, you know, these guys didn't have a traditional preseason. They didn't have a traditional offseason program. It was going to take a little time for this, these new guys to come in and mesh. And boy, they have meshed incredibly well. And uh, I mean, like I said, they, they've been great. And, and you look at the way they took care uh, against the Chargers last week. The Chargers really could not get their passing game going. Uh, they they did an excellent job of just getting pressure on the on the quarterback. And like I said, Jones and Howard were, were absolutely they were near flawless in their um, in their play last week. And of course Howard had that big interception late in the game too. Yeah, I hear all the time about you know, well you got Ramsey and, and you know Darnold. Look, no one no one is as good as Darnold, but I'm going, you got Howard, you got Jones, and Wilkins in the middle. Van Noy was a huge pickup. There are names yep. on this defense where people are calling it no name. There are names on this defense. You just kind of have to pay attention, right? I mean, Wilkins wasn't even in the game last week. Talk to me about the front end with Wilkins, who, oh, yeah, he was a first-round pick. People don't even know his name. Yeah, he's he's had a great second season. He's made a huge amount of progress from his first year to his second year. You look at the interception he had against the Rams. Uh, I mean, he is a special player on the defensive line, and he's really the key stone to that defensive line and I will say that they did a great job without him last week obviously the guy that I think you might be mentioning Emmanuel Ogba I mean I think arguably one of the best free agent pickups uh, of the season for any team in the NFL he has been incredible he's had a sack in six straight games his presence has been huge on the defensive line for the Dolphins so I mean him and Wilkins, I mean, what a what a refreshing change for Dolphin fans to be able to say that their defensive line is stout and can get to the quarterback and hopefully plug up the run, too. Let's talk about the head man in charge. I'm a big fan of Brian Flores. I know that a lot of uh, Belichick disciples don't do so well. Even him. I, I'm, I'm on the theme of not getting enough respect. But look, when you go to coach of the year odds and you're going to bet on Tomlin's up at the top. Okay. Harbaugh's there. Arians is there. Andy Reid, Vrabel, Ron Rivera, all in front of Brian Flores, who I think is just in a phenomenal job. And you look at the transition that he had a different quarterback. He's got young guys on defense. He's dealing with all the things that we just talked about, you know, injuries and problems and new running backs. He's kept it together. But the one thing that I loved is last year after getting beat so quickly and so early, early and by so much he didn't care and the team did not give up on him do you get that sense that everyone is on Brian Flores and saying you know what we got you coach we're right behind you oh I think they love playing for this guy I think they love his attitude they love his, his spirit I mean he's so 
active and, and energetic. And he's the kind of guy that, like, I think if you're a football player, you want your coach to have your back. And, t- and Brian Flores has his guy's backs. And I think that's why they love playing for him. And then, is anything else, I think the end of the season last year when they won five out of their last nine and that big win in the regular season finale against New England, I think that really showed the, the rest of the NFL and free agents that look, what, what Brian Flores is building in Miami is something to see, something to be a part of. And this guy's got the it factor. And I'll tell you, I love, I love the job he's been doing. You can't, you cannot argue with the results. He has done an incredible job this season. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the offensive line. Uh, the Miami Dolphins is only nine teams in the NFL that have allowed fewer sacks, only 14 sacks over the first nine games. The offensive line, uh, there's, there's again, they never, no, no offensive lineman ever gets credit, but Miami's offensive line, another stout unit. Um, so with all that said, Chris, I got to get some predictions from you. Dolphins are small. Favorite on the road could be bad conditions in Denver. How do you think this is playing out? Well, it, it doesn't help that the the Broncos may not have their quarterback uh, locked there, so I think that's going to be a big factor too. And if he does play, he's going to have some sore ribs, which I think will affect him. I mean, look, if you look at this game on paper, the Dolphins should win convincingly. I mean, the, the Broncos have a good defense, though, and I think that's the one thing to keep an eye open for that they could, you know, again, two is only in his you know, his fourth start, he's still a rookie, uh, a veteran defense like that, Vic Fangio, a very good defensive coach that could have an effect. But if the Dolphins defense is, if they play the way they've done the last six weeks, I can't see Miami losing this game. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I mean, you know, if you're going to, on the total, I would go with the under obviously. Um, but I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I like Dolphins should win this game easily, uh, at least by seven to 10 points, you would think. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic because I've been a long time Dolphins fan. I've seen mirages. I've seen some good seasons, 2008, 2016, where you're thinking the team is back long-term and it didn't work out that way. Uh, this year is, is definitely a sign that maybe this team could be back long-term. So it's one step, one game at a time for the old cliche. And I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about the future of this team. All right. Thank you very much, Chris. I love it. Dropping a little totals on us, too. I love a guest that drops the totals on us. Chris Shearer, news editor and sport columnist for the Citizen Newspaper, talking everything about the Dolphins here. Thank you very much. Guys, the Dolphins are the hottest team in the NFL against the spread. They have covered it in six straight games. Like we mentioned, they go to Denver. That is a short line, two and a half or three, depending on where you're looking. I'm looking at Miami in the same kind of vein that Chris is looking at them, that Miami should win this game, um, but it is a rookie quarterback. I also believe that you have got to throw into the factor that people just don't buy into Miami. I mean, I, I think you have to throw that in here, guys, into the betting line itself, that people flat out just don't buy into who the Miami Dolphins are. They are known as a bad team. People are believing that they're still that bad team. So I do like Miami. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. Come on back. we got lots more football, football, and more football on the way right after this on Wagering Week. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. All at my bookie. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play. 
designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you twenty bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? All right, what are the odds? We're taking a look at one NFL game this week, and the reason is because the odds are all over the place, and we have to explain it. Look, the Jets and the Chargers, the Chargers are 10.5-point favorites to open up right away. Look, Sunday night, the odds come out late Sunday night, usually Monday morning, and here we go. 10.5, they were minus. Now, a lot of money coming in on the Chargers for obvious reasons. The Jets are the Jets. Sam Donald ruled out of this game. The number is down to 8 and it had touched seven and a half in some spots during the week, but it's back to eight. Why is the number dropping when money's coming in? Well, this is called reverse line movement. That just uh, means that, look, there might be a lot of tickets coming in, but some kind of big bettors are, are making the move to the Jets. Somebody big is going on the Jets and saying, I'm going to take the shot. You don't always have to look at ticket count. You also have to look at money count. And even then, look, even then, money count always doesn't always dictate it. It's also how the sports book wants to play this. Do they want to kind of... in? people. Did they make a mistake in the beginning? Maybe 10.5 was a little bit too much. So that is the odds that we're looking at because it's the biggest line movement. It crossed over a key number, which is 10, all the way down to 7.5 at a point this week. I don't expect it to keep dropping. It'll probably bounce back up to 8 or 8.5 eight and, and stay stable there. But there is a significant line movement. And with all the money and looking like all the tickets are coming in on the Jets, it's a worrisome line, and I'm circling it and staying away. That is what are the odds? You know, that is, that is a worrisome line, and they, you get them every now and then. You know, every now and then you get these lines that are just concerning. Um, you know, they're just a, a, a little off. They're a little worrisome, and that's fine. You know, you could take a look at these kind of lines, and you just say, well, I'm going to stay away. And, and that's the way that that, that kind of goes is you just bounce off of it. All right, let's take a look at some of the other games here. Cleveland, Philadelphia. Cleveland is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This is up from this opening line of two all the way up to three-and-a-half. Total is 47. Cleveland's had some weird weather over the last couple of uh, a couple of games, right? I mean, monsoons and garbage and massive winds. Philadelphia, I have done it. I have renounced my Carson Wentz fandom. That's it. I'm off. I'm off of him. I'm tired of defending this guy. Last week I said it. I Look. I said, look, Carson Wentz is getting his, his healthy line back. He's getting some receivers back. He's got Goddard back. He's got Miles Sanders back, who ran for 85 yards. He's getting these key guys back. I am tired of defending him. I've defended Carson Wentz through the draft when he was in college all the way through, and I have officially jumped off the Carson Wentz bandwagon. But that doesn't mean I'm jumping on Cleveland here. I still see the talent in Philadelphia. This is a dangerous game. How about New Orleans and Atlanta? One of the games, this is really doesn't make some sense to me. This line opened up at New Orleans minus seven. It's down to five and only down to five with the news that Drew Brees is going to be out and Jameis Winston is going to be starter. Now, the reality is Sean Payton didn't name Winston the starter. We know it is. He's not going to just go with Taysom Hill the entire time. This is a rivalry game. Atlanta's coming in off of a bye week. Atlanta, the last thing I heard coming out of Atlanta is Matt Ryan say, hey, we could go on a run. 
This is the kind of game that they have to go out there and win. This is one of those uh-oh kind of games. I thought that this line, and I was right on the air right after the game, uh, uh, the New Orleans game, and I was on the air talking to my co-host, and I said, you know, I think it's going to drop all the way down to like three, three and a half. I think Drew Brees is worth a touchdown, but they're not going to make it a pick em kind of game. It only dropped two. I, I think this is a a spot where people are not realizing how important Drew Brees is. Maybe he's older. Maybe he doesn't have the gun. But it's Seamus Winston, guys. Caroline, Detroit, one and a half. Look, this is basically, dude, who do you believe in getting healthy quickly? Galladay's out. I think that hurts them. But they went to Swift last week. That's good. You know, Teddy Bridgewater with the MCL. We understand that. But Caroline is still at home. They're still an ascending team, even though they haven't looked real good over the last couple. How about Houston and New England? This one opened at Houston, three-point favorite. New England is now a two-point favorite. It crossed the zero. Well, everybody was very impressed with New England winning in a monsoon. And that's exactly what it was. But you know what? So was I. Why was I impressed? Because Damian Harris is the guy. I've had faith in him for a little while. Remember, they drafted him, even though they had Sony Michelle on the roster. We looked at them, and they said, okay, he is their future. And Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, turned around and said, I'm going to run him. I'm just going to run Damian Harris, and we're just going to run all day. The weather conditions said it, but they found something. Against a very tough Baltimore defense, he ran for 121 yards. He's run for 100 yards in three of the last six games. Damian Harris is for real, and if he's able to do that against Baltimore, I'll beat it in a monsoon, okay? He's now going up against the 29th-ranked run defense. They are basically the worst run defense overall. They're 31st in a lot of categories as well. New England just can't uh, can't get away from this. They can't try to get cute. They can't let Cam do anything more than just run. Run it with Cam. Run it with Harris. Run it with White. Run it with Burkhead. Just keep running and running and running. Shorten the game and keep Watson on the sideline. Watson had a terrible game last week, but a lot of that was because of the weather. I think Watson bounces back, but man, it's hard to pick against New England. Pittsburgh minus a solid 10 against Jacksonville. In some spots, this went all the way up to 11, but it's back to 10. And 10 is kind of where it should be. It's a road game. I know the Jaguars are the Jaguars. I get that. But the Jaguars played well last week for a little while against Green Bay. The problem is they played well against a bad defense. uh, And then their defense just kind of crumbled at the end. Well, here you go. Pittsburgh comes in with a top 10 defense, a top 10 offense, one of only three teams there. Pittsburgh's defense is number one with a bullet there absolutely extraordinary and they're going to be living in the backfield here uh tj watt leads the league in pressure yeah even more than aaron donald so you expect a lot of mistakes by jacksonville can pittsburgh capitalize on their mistakes well they lead the league in turnovers they lead the league in sacks i think this is a pittsburgh game to kind of just uh lay your claim stake it down and just say look we are the steelers we are the best team in the nfl and we're not going to have a hiccup against jacksonville like we almost did against dallas but that dallas game still sits in people's mind and jacksonville is a team that kind of tends to cover and they're at home you don't even know there's a starting quarterback they were trying to play well we don't know if it's going to be Minshew. this is this is one of those games where i can see people being upset but it's pittsburgh or, or nothing here. I don't think anyone's going out there and jumping on Jacksonville. How about the team that Jacksonville gave a scare to? And that's Green Bay. Green Bay against Indy. Um, Green Bay opened up as a two and a half point favorite. Now they're in a two and a half point underdog. A full swap crossing the zero with no major injuries on tap. 
Is it because Green Bay didn't look good against Jacksonville? Uh, you know, Green Bay is the type of team for two years now. They're playing a joke schedule. From here on out, they're still really playing a, a joke schedule. They don't play any teams on defense at all. They, they don't play any teams with good defense the entire year. Look at their schedule, guys. And now coming up, look, they still have the Bears twice with a good defense in Indianapolis. But that's it. They, they only have a few minor tests. The only defense that they played, which is in the top 15 in the league, and one team is 19 or else it would be top 20 in the league, is Tampa Bay, and they held them to 10 and made Aaron Rodgers look silly out there. So Green Bay knows how to clean up on bad teams and bad defenses. Indy is a good defense. Now, I think Indy's defense, and I've said this all year, I think they're a little overrated. Okay, but it's still that kind of defense. Phillip Rivers has weeks where he looks really good, weeks where he looks really bad. I think he's about done, and I've said he's about done. That doesn't mean he can't put up nice numbers, but it also means watch out for the week where he goes crazy and throws three interceptions. I don't think it's against this Green Bay defense. And it is at home. It is indoors. It's a controlled environment for Phillip Rivers. My more uh, pressing issue here is while I like Naheem Hines, I got him on fantasy teams last year and this year. While I like Hines and I like Wilkins, uh, Taylor needs to be the guy, and they're just saying, no, it's not going to be. You have to have some semblance of a running game. Can you get it done for a game or two, flipping it out all the time in an Austin Eckler 2019 kind of way? Yeah, you can. But every now and then, you need the 2019 Melvin Gordon type of running back, and they just don't have it right now. So... I've been worried about Rivers most of the year. I've made my thoughts very clear on that. I'm not worried about Rivers in this game as much as I am about a semblance of a or lack there of a running game. How about Cincinnati at Washington? I will tell you a quote that I heard this week by Joe Burrows, which is uh, just one of the best quotes that you will hear in sports. Just it, it really is. If it was Derek Jeter saying this, I would have jumped on a table and been cheering because, uh, listen, I'm a Yankee fan, and this is the kind of thing that Derek Jeter had said. A reporter asked Joe Burrow, other than wins and losses, how will you measure the success, your success, for the rest of the year? Joe Burrow's answer, wins and losses. I mean, you got to love that. you got to love that. I don't care if you're a Cincinnati fan or not. That is just it just tells you what kind of man you're dealing with here, and you got to absolutely enjoy that. So you have them coming in as one-point underdog on the road against Washington. Washington, say what you want about Alex Smith. He makes some mistakes. He's also got two 300-yard passing games in the last two games. He looks good, and he's dumping it off to J.D. McKissick. You fantasy players out there, J.D. McKissick has 29, uh, 29 targets, 29 in the last two games. So it's dumping off. It's running Gibson. It's short passing, and it's a pretty good defense. I know Cincinnati is kind of the hot team moving on up, and I kind of believe in them. I'm not getting off of them after what Pittsburgh did to them at all here. But Washington at home, Washington's looking like they have a little bit of a future as well. How about Baltimore-Tennessee? The most intriguing game on the matchup. Baltimore is a six-and-a-half point, six-six-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you shop. I know that uh, William Hill had it at six-and-a-half. DraftKings had it at six, and then they flip-flopped within like an hour of each other earlier in the week. Baltimore is so talented, it's hard to pick flaws in them. But the flaw that you can pick is that Lamar Jackson is just not a very good quarterback right now. Right now. Whether he's going through that second-year slump, the MVP curse, the Madden curse, I don't care. Right now, he's missing guys. He's missing guys huge. Marquise Brown is just a shadow out there. He's deciding to dump it down to Willie Sneed. Finally, Mark Andrews got involved, which was nice. 
And then you have the running game where we all clearly see with our eyes, except for Coach Harbaugh, that J.K. Dobbins is the most talented back on the roster. Edwards is two and Ingram is three, and Ingram has really lost a step. Instead, they're giving Ingram the most carries, Edwards the second most carries, and J.K. Dobbins barely touches the ball. It doesn't make any sense to me. On the other side, Tennessee comes in, and Tennessee is going to run, 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 run. We all remember what happened, so there's a little revenge here for Baltimore for what happened in the playoffs, except I just watched this Baltimore defense get gashed for 121 yards by Damian Harris. You think they're going to stop Derrick Henry? With all that said, the Tennessee's defense, I've been saying, is a terrible defense, guys. They are not a very good defense. So Baltimore should have some success. Is this the Lamar breakout game? I don't know. I don't know if he has a breakout game, but if he's got one, it's right here. Dallas, Minnesota. Minnesota opened up as a nine-point favorite. Now they're down to seven. Now, they didn't look very good on Monday night against the Bears, but they walked out of there with the win. They also know in front of them they have four of the easier games coming up in the next month or so on their schedule. They could get right back in this thing. Jefferson is that Stephon Diggs clone that all of a sudden he gives them that other element. Dalvin Cook, well, he couldn't run up against the Bears, but he could run against everybody else. Now he goes up against a very bad Dallas defense, a Dallas defense that we'd be talking about in historic terms. If it wasn't for Seattle, we'd be talking about them. Dallas, you know, I, I know that they have the offensive weapons. I just don't know if they're going to click here. If they could click against anyone, this Vikings defense is not very good. How about Kansas City and Vegas? That is the Sunday night game. KC minus 7. 57 is the total here. Lots of points expected. Vegas playing above their heads, but man, they are they are a fun team to watch. They can run the ball with Jacobs. Derek Carr's having a very good year, but their defense does get problematic at times. Last week, no problems at all. They had a bunch of interceptions. Uh, Heath had two himself. Kansas City comes in off of a bye week. We know what that means. Andy Reid, all time, is 18-3 and regular season off of a bye week and 5-2 and in the playoffs with a bye week. I, you got to look at this guy and just say, give him time to prepare, and it's nearly unbeatable. Vegas also beat Kansas City, so that means there's a little payback for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is starting to see an MVP in his sight. He's also the front runner right now, plus 220. He's overtaken Russell Wilson in that race. So, a lot of things going for Kansas City, except they are on the road against a team that seems to have their number. We'll find out. Miami and Denver. Uh, you heard me talk to Chris about Miami. It's a three, three and a half point line. I know this is the first real tough environment test for Tua, but how tough will it be? Will there be lots of snow, lots of wind? Eh, you know, if there's not, maybe uh, it's not a big deal. But the defense loves that kind of game, right? This defense is is just fantastic. I've been t telling you guys for two years the best combination. First of all, I, I think Howard might be the best corner in the league, but the best combination is Jones and Howard in the back end. Christian Wilkins didn't even play last week. He's a big, stout guy in the middle. Van Noy, you gotta love this Miami defense. I know people don't know the names, but oh yeah, I do. Denver, on the other hand, and they play some good defense of their own. And Drew Locke seems to have something, something working there. And then you have the Monday night game down in Tampa. Tampa, minus four against the Rams. The Rams right now are riding really, really high. People are talking about the Rams, and you guys, if you listen to the show, we had Cam Holiday, uh, Doc Holiday, on last week, and Doc said, you know, he was a little unimpressed with where the Rams are, considering what he thought they'd be this year. 
I said I was very impressed where the Rams are considering where I thought they'd be. Well, I think that they even pushed his expectations by winning last game. The Rams are a legitimate Super Bowl contender right now. They have a defense where it has all pros on it. They have a defense that is absolutely stacked. Their defense is a shutdown corner, a big-time inside lineman, so you don't need to blitz. They could create havoc. They could cause turnovers. That's the Rams. On the offensive side, this is kind of where I worry about them. The three-headed running attack works, and it sounds good, and it's all great, but how effective is it at this point? Cup, Woods, it's it's a good one-two punch, but they're kind of falling by the wayside and letting the younger guys come up. Jared Goff is good in certain spots. I'm not sure about here. The Rams have the elements, but this is a tough ask. Now, do you remember Tampa Bay two games ago when they just looked awful against the Saints? Or do you ask them, okay, can we go look at the other six games that sandwich that? And who are you? Brady looked great last week. By the way, uh, the demise of Brady seems to come every single week, and that ain't happening. Tom Brady's 10-3 and on Monday nights. In this spot, guys, it's at home. It's in Tampa. If the Rams win this game, watch people explode about Rams Super Bowl talk. If Tampa wins this game, people are going to very quickly forget that Saints game. That is for sure. All of a sudden, it's going to turn into, what? What do you mean, you know, uh, Super Bowl for the Rams and not Tampa Bay? Or, well, the Rams are kind of the fluke that we thought. Tampa Bay's going to the Super Bowl. But that's all into the future. Let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Bet to the future. All right, guys, looking at Bet to the Future. It's never too early, never too soon to start looking at some hockey futures. Let's go over some of the hockey lines. And we will get into well when this is going to be played and everything, but let's start it off. Tampa Bay Lightning, 7-1, right at the top. Look, they've been the best team for two years running. That makes a lot of sense. Colorado, 7-1, right there as well. Vegas Golden Knights, they were opening up as kind of the favorites. Come back a little bit. They're 7-1. So we have three co-favorites. I don't want to say the Knights aren't the co-favorites. You go with the Boston Bruins at 12-1. Flyers, 16-1. Capitals are 16-1. Maple Leafs. Blues, Penguins, Stars, Vancouver, all at 20 to 1. Now you're getting into some value plays. 25 to 1, Edmonton, Carolina, both teams from New York, the Islanders and the Rangers. Don't get mad at me, Buffalo fans. Calgary's 30 to 1. Nashville's 30 to 1. 40 to 1, Arizona and Winnipeg. Now we get into some of the long shots. The Devils, they have a good young core there. The Panthers, the Blue Jackets, the Wild, the Canadians are all 50 to 1. Sharks and Kings, 60 to 1. Sabres, there you go. There's the other New York team. They're 80 to 1. Blackhawks 80 to 1. Anaheim Ducks 80 to 1. You feeling really lucky? How about the Ottawa Senators at 100 to 1? You feeling like absolutely you have a rabbit's foot in your pocket? Detroit Red Wings 200 to 1. Don't go bet that. So that is bet to the future. And that's right, guys. Listen, we have a, a lot of things going on in the world of hockey. There's a lot of free agency numbers. And a lot of these things are going to change. This is the bet to the future numbers that are here in the beginning. Here is what we have at the surface level. 
I'm not going to give you my opinion right now because I want to have a conversation and see, do we make a bet right now? Do we wait? Do we wait for the major free agent signings? So I'm going to bring on Ryan Yee, our sports garden's own Ryan Yee, and he's our hockey guy. Look, he's straight from Canada, so that he's got that credential going for him, right? I mean, he is our hockey guy. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom, for having me. Excited to start talking some hockey. It's been way too long since we've uh, talked a little bit of puck here. Well, yeah, and for anybody that listens to this show, We've made your money, right? I mean, we absolutely crushed it. Most people say, look, as far as sports betting, don't bet the Stanley Cup playoffs. Don't bet the futures play on a Stanley Cup because it is, let's be honest, a lot of people look at college basketball and they look at college football and they say, well, anyone can win. That's, that's BS and we know that. Anybody in the hockey playoffs can win, so it is usually not a great bet. Although a lot of people do uh, the Hart Memorial Trophy, the Conn Smythe, those are better bets. But we gave you Tampa Bay, right? Absolutely crushed it. And not only that, remember, we're pretty hot on Dallas as well, yep. right? And, you know, So if you wound up going, okay, they're hot on Dallas, and uh, you know, if they're hot on Dallas and they're also – well, giving away Tampa Bay as a winner, I mean, that's pretty huge. So let's look right at the top here. Seven to one odds on Tampa Bay right at the top. Now, they're with Colorado and Vegas. I know a lot of people jumped on the early Vegas line. Tell me why, not necessarily that they've fallen back, but why people were so hot on Vegas right away. Yeah, see, this is an interesting one, Tom, having Colorado, Vegas, and uh, Tampa Bay there at the top as your, like you said, your three top favorites heading into next season. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay, like you said, is the obvious one. They're the ones that won it last year. They're coming back with the same unit this season, so why wouldn't you expect this team to go out there and and repeat um, back-to-back seasons? Um, but Vegas is an interesting one, Tom, and the reason why I think it's so important to kind of key in on this team is the fact that this was an expansion team two years, two, three years ago, right? And we've seen them explode onto the scene and reach success instantly. I mean, in their first season in the league, they made the Stanley Cup Finals against the Washington Capitals. They weren't able to win the Stanley Cup, but they were at least able to get there um, in their very first season in the league. And now they're making pushes. You're seeing them at the top of odds makers list. You're seeing them at the top at being favorites of Stanley Cup champions because not only now have they been able to build the franchise with the players that they need and the players that they want to grow with that are going to um, define their franchise moving forward, but they're now a free agent destination spot. We're going to get into some of the free agents, but they were able able to land one of the biggest names this season um, and it looks like Vegas may be now enticing for players to head there um, to maybe bring home a championship and, and at the top here with that signing it's not surprising to see Vegas here at the top of oddsmakers list are you telling me Vegas is a destination city? Right. well of course it is <laughs> I mean I, uh, who would have who would have thought it from a, a a sports team perspective I know we always make the job Vegas I mean you can't go wrong I mean the nightlife why wouldn't you want to be in Vegas as a player I mean, why wouldn't you want to be in Vegas as a player now? Now, not only do you have all the amenities like, you know, the uh, the, the extravagant nightlife in Vegas, um, the, the the suburb and living, but now you also have a successful hockey franchise as well. So mix that all together. Um, yeah, it equals Vegas sitting at the top of, uh, of odds makers list at 7-1. And it helps that the NHL really helped them out when they came into the league. I don't see the Kraken anywhere here. What's going on with that? <laughs> and that? And that's what's interesting. Will... 
they have the same direction when the Kraken join the league in a year's time. When tw- the 2021-2022 season does come into play, are we going to see the Kraken? No way. <laughs> right? It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that we saw happen with Vegas. It was crazy. No one expected this team to be in the finals. And now year in and year out, um, after enticing top-end free agents, after being able to build um, a franchise from the top down or from the bottom up, like I mentioned, they're they're at the top now, and Vegas is a team to be uh, to be uh, to be scared of heading into the 2020 season. Well, you know what? I know we said we were going to get into free agency. I, I want to sprinkle it in here because I do a lot of you know hockey talk. Uh, you know that in, in Vegas, and mm-hmm. I've said it for a year and a half now, and people have ripped me there. Robin is better than Theo. Okay, at this point in their career, that's just reality. And for six months, I said. Look, get ready. Theo's out of town. Okay. Robin's getting re signed. So prepare for that. It doesn't look like either betters are aware of that or maybe they're not ready for it. Uh, do you see that that line shifting when they hear, oh no, Flurry's not coming back? See, I don't think um, that's going to have that much of an effect because I don't think goaltending is necessarily the key point when it comes to Vegas. It's a complement to what they already have on the ice, whether you have Flurry or whether you have Leonard on the back end for Vegas. I don't think that is the the shifting point in what makes them a competitive or not competitive team. I think the difference between those two players is not substantial enough to then knock down Vegas off of your favorites list if you're fighting for which one is going to start that season. So um, I would I would keep Vegas up at top regardless of whether Leonard or Fleury is starting going into next year. You would. I just wonder if betters are going to overreact. How about Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay is not supposed to be a big player in free agency here, but isn't getting Steve Stamkos got back healthy kind of a free agency move? It's definitely it's definitely interesting to see what the Tampa Bay team is like when they have Stamkos and when they don't have Stamkos. I mean, you see in the playoffs alone, you saw him, what he was able to do in the lone game that he was able to make a difference in the finals. Um, He was able to score a very crucial goal for that team. Um, So getting a healthy Stamkos back is almost like a free agent signing in itself. However, for it to be a successful free agent sign, he's got to stay healthy. And we have yet to see that in Stamkos' career, especially at this point as he starts to age. Um, we haven't seen him be able to stay healthy for an entirety of an 82-game season in quite some time. Um, so until he's able to do that, I'm not going to say he's that that free agent signing because he still needs to prove that he can be there for the entirety of the season. But getting him back healthy at the start of the 2020 season is definitely a, a first step towards making that push for a comeback season. All right, let's talk Colorado. It's the, yeah. the third co-favorite here um the avalanche are a team that you look at right now and i go i'm pretty impressed with sports betters and the lines makers because they should be up there you know they should be uh, right there with everybody else but you almost don't expect it people don't know go out and ask even a regular hockey fan you can't name two or three guys on this team it's a smart number to put up there it's a smart move i think it's a little aggressive and i think that comes back down to earth what do you think you know, Colorado, out of the bunch of the three, I think is the most interesting because there was so much expectation and anticipation heading into the 2019-2020 season. So when they're heading into next season, you know, they're going to go all the way, similar to this season, you know, favorite up top. They have all the players to do it, and then they get hit by the injury bug and obviously doesn't go their way in the 2020 uh, little playoff bubble run there. But this season has that same feeling, but on top of that, they have made huge additions to this team 
team that I, I look at this squad, everything on paper tells me that this is a team that should be making it to the Stanley Cup final, if not winning it. And it, it, I have very similar, I have very similar uh, reflections to um, last season when I had Tampa Bay sitting in the same spot. Everything was too perfect. Right, everything was too in line. They had the offensive power, they had the defensive power. I mean, Kale McCarr is an absolute stud on the blue line for the Colorado Avalanche, winning um, the Rookie of the Year last season. Now he's going to be stepping into sophomore year, looking to make a bigger impact, and then adding the additions on top of that. If if this, I mean, every single team on on this top, the top three: Vegas, uh, Tampa Bay, and Colorado, all have their caveats in what it's going to take for them to win the cup Colorado's is goaltending but their goaltending is there I mean they have Frank Hughes and they have Grubauer and if they're able to take that next step kind of like the Vegas situation they're not going to win you a championship but they can be good enough to not lose you one if that makes sense and I think that's what Colorado's question is I don't think they're overhyped I think we're in the same spot we saw Tampa Bay last year where the story was too good to be true if they're not hit by the injury bug. I think uh, a lot of people are going to be making a lot of money on Colorado. A team that I have been intrigued with for two years. I think the public's been intrigued with for two years. You said, you know, teams certainly uh, have every piece in place kind of. I can't find the hole in this team, but they just don't happen to get it together. And we see that in every sport. You know, uh, the Chargers were that for years. And, uh, you know, you see that in every sport where teams just can't quite get over the hump. Talk to me about the Toronto Maple Leafs because it is just overwhelming talent that they are not able to just get over the hump. And I knew you were going to bring this one up, right? You're going to go right right for home where, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, touchy, a touchy subject here talking about the Leafs. When I talked when I talked about free agency, when I talked about the players that were being signed, Toronto told you a lot in their signings. I mean, you mentioned it. They're a very skilled team, and we knew that. We knew by the players Marner, Tavares, Matthews, um, Nylander, all those players and all the talent that they've acquired up front. It's there. I mean, that's not arguable. The plan that Kyle Dubas had heading into these past seasons was, hey, I'm going to use my skill and talent and speed to overcome the, the, the lack of physicality, um, the lack of grittiness, and I'm just going to beat you by pure talent and ha- have, that, have skill alone push me through playoffs. Well, over the past three seasons, it's been pretty obvious that that is not good enough. I mean, we looked at what Tampa Bay was built of. It wasn't just skilled players. They had the gritty players like Bogosian, who is now on the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, to push you over the edge. That's the, Now that's the rope that Toronto seems to be taking. They now seem to be taking a full 180 going away from some of those skill players and now going to some of these old veterans that if you had told me in 2012 that they were on the Toronto Maple Leafs team, I've been like, MVP, MVPs all over the place on the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is going to be a Stanley Cup Finals 100%, but we find ourselves in 2020. Jason Spezza is not who he used to be. Joe Thornton is not who he used to be. Wayne Simmons is not who he used to be. But that being said, they still bring veteranship to the locker room, and I think that's what the Leafs were uh, missing, and that's what they have been looking for. They're going to sacrifice some of that talent for some of that veteranship that they might need when they're in the first round facing Boston and they don't want to lose in the first round for the fourth time in a row that would be nice um and I think Joe Thornton and and Wayne Simmons might be able to provide you that leadership in those crucial moments will it work I'm not sure they haven't been able to do it yet it doesn't sound like you like 20 to 1 nah you know I I was 
when I was picking my value plays when when the odds were released, I was hesitant. I liked the Leaf signings from a sentimental point of view. Don't from, do that in sports betting. <laughs> but exactly from a logical and from a, a straightforward point of view, what the Leafs were able to done doesn't. It, it's all fluff, right? It's all it's all chemistry stuff. There's nothing on paper that says, "Hey, this is a better team going into 2020." Um, that's why I'm wary and I'm staying a little bit away from the Maple Leafs. There are other teams though that I do like much better than the Leafs that I feel safer going against that have a little bit more value. All right, you gave yourself your own lead in there. You had value plays. Let's talk about it. Who do you like? Uh, Who am I throwing a couple bucks on? My favorite is the New York Rangers at 25 to 1. Ooh, I like to hear that. I love that pick. The reason why is going in to the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, um, they were on a roll. They were on they were on fire, right? No one could stop them. But then the pandemic hit, take a little break, and then that little aura of the New York Rangers kind of disappears. You know, the fact that um, Shesterkin and Georgiev were on these hot streaks in um, net, d- doing a fine job at replacing Henrik Lundqvist um, over the past two seasons, that whole aura and that hype around the team kind of dissipated as, um, you know, the season was canceled and we kind of stepped away from the game for a little bit. So they're getting a little, I think they're getting a little bit underplayed here. And not many people are aware of this team, of what they are capable of. On top of all of that, they were able to add the number one overall draft pick in Alexis Lafreniere. And he he is, I think there's a lot of seasons where we say, oh, okay, it's this year's draft. I mean, there's good players, but not that good players. You know, they're going to make a difference, but it won't be that big. Everyone was taking him on. Lafreniere was the guy, 100%. And the fact that the Rangers, I was laughing. I was laughing when I saw that it wasn't going to be Detroit. It wasn't going to be Ottawa getting the first pick, who both of those teams are in dire needs of a first overall pick. The fact that the Rangers got him, you know, when I when I was watching the draft show and then I tuned in later, I was on either Instagram or Twitter, and I saw a picture of Alex uh, Alexis Lafreniere plastered on Times Square. And like, welcome, Alexis. I'm just like... How crazy is it as an 18-year-old kid to see that in the middle of New York? And how perfect. Right? Well, welcome back hockey exactly, to New York. Exactly. And and see and that's where I think this value play is going to win or lose. Is Alexis Lafreniere going to be starstruck by the New York Lights? Now it helps, right? Fans aren't going to be at the games originally. He'll be able to settle himself into New York, but if he can make the next step, if the goaltenders Georgiev and Shesterkin can make the next step after Henrik Lundqvist is oddly in a Washington Capitals jersey now, um, the Rangers can take that next step. And don't be surprised if you see them come 2021 making a big run in playoffs at 25-1. to 1, There's just too much value to be had there. One other team I want to ask you about, and then we're going to let you head out here. 50-1, to 1, the Devils. You mentioned Young Core. I hear a lot of talk about the Devils. I hear I don't see anybody going, hey, they're Stanley Cup. But if they can get in and you can hedge your bet late because you're talking 50 to 1, if they could get into the playoffs, you pass the first round, now you're hedging. Uh, do they have that kind of ability? I mean, they're really young, but people are real excited about this team. It's incredible because now it's it's a full circle, right? You talk about the, the luck of the draw of winning a Stanley Cup playoff, and it's true. I, I think hockey is one of the hardest playoffs to win purely because of the luck that's involved in the game. You know, the puck needs to go your way it's the only sport that i know of that literally has puck luck as part of the game you know it just wasn't bouncing our way new jersey if they can get there can use that to their van i mean look at what dallas was able to do right no one expected them to go to the finals look what they were able to do if they can just get there 
they can definitely make that push and 50 to one looks pretty tasty um but it's the getting their part that is there and i think a large part of that is going to be their goaltender in blackwood if he can make the next step that would go a long way to actually making new jersey contenders I just don't think they're there yet. They are young, I think a little bit too young as of right now. But that is a team, though, that you need to look out for in the coming years because they will be good very, very soon. Thank you again, Ryan E., our hockey guru. Ryan, it is always a pleasure to have you on. We're going to have you on uh, as we get closer to the hockey season and as we get to a point of getting, uh, you know, into big-time free agency and whatnot. I want to give everybody a little taste here, though, because... Uh, you know, that's the first thing. Oh, wait, uh, the Lions are out. Let's jump on it. And hockey, that's not usually the case. Maybe maybe you jump on a Ranger at 25 to 1 so people don't catch on. I get that. So thank you again to Ryan E., to Chris Shearer. Hope you guys enjoy the weekend. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.